listening to Enjoy an Album, the podcast where two comedians listen to the top 500 greatest albums of all time. Do not want what I haven't got is the name of the album by Sinead O'Connor that we're covering this week on Enjoy an Album with me, Liam Withnell. And also me, Christopher MacArthur Boyd. Um, so this week is Sinead O'Connor. Um, we're doing it a bit different this week. Yeah, we normally would do the intro after so that we can give you a little um, a little tease of what's going to be coming in the episode. But we wanted to address something at the, the top and that is um, Christopher's Funko Pop addiction. Um, he's seeking treatment. And <laughs> have, have we have we got any of the fact that it's got worse? Your Funko Pop addiction? No. The fifth the fifth pop has showed up. What is My it of? Kramer in his underwear. <laughs> I think I think well if, if you're a new listener. I have a Funko Well, I don't have a Funko Pop edition. We do. My girlfriend has a Funko Pop edition. What's yours is hers? What's hers is yours? What's yours is mine? What's mine is mine. She keeps buying these pop vinyls, I believe is the industry term for them. For you, because you love them. Well, I think this one's like, oh, look, you can get people that you like. Because I love Kramer. Mm. But I'm not happy that this is my house. And it is a, honestly, top five... Biggest issues in my life that I've got these kicking about. Makes me sad when I see them. Uh, I'm already sad. <laughs> no, anyway, that's not what we're talking about. No, no. The, the, the big issue. In, in, all, oh, in, in all seriousness, um, uh, Shinoda Connor has been in the news uh, recently. And normally when we're recording the podcast, if the artist that we're about to delve into is in the news, we're like, great, that's good. That gives us some stuff to cover. Um, however, we've... Sinead O'Connor uh, in the last few weeks has been really like dreadfully sad uh, her son her son died and um, then Sinead in grief sort of tweeted reference to her maybe you know ki- killing herself so obviously uh, that's incredibly bleak she's been hospitalised um, so we just wanted to mention all this at the top so as anybody who knew knows the news um concerned that we might i don't know being two comics with a podcast make light of any of that or anything can feel secure in the knowledge early on that um that is about as much as we are going to talk about that we do sometimes delve into the private lives of the people we're talking about but it just feels incredibly fresh and we don't want to be gross we're not to shock jock neolib cancel culture beaten pieces of shit comics yeah we are humans we're humanistic yeah, we're humanists. Um, and, we're celebrants. And uh, yeah, we you know we've we've spoken uh, before about our own mental health uh, issues and problems with addiction and stuff like that. So I, I imagine that most people listening have an understanding of our outlook on that stuff anyway. But just because it's incredibly sensitive, we wanted to say at the top that um, fear not, ye um worrisome listener um uh, we will we're not gonna be slagging off our son put it that way yeah we're not gonna say anything dodge um it's gonna be a really interesting episode i think because Sinead o'connor has had a fascinating but ultimately pretty tragic 
life, pretty much every element of her life is somewhat tinged with sadness. So the vibe might be slightly less buoyant than usual, but we will get you your Enjoy an Album podcast one way or the bloody other. Long-time album enjoyers may uh, recognise the tone of uh, Life and Sad End Of by Tong Bang, the bad YouTube documentary maker, but uh, we're going to try and avoid that. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is, this. you know, it's a bit... Well, actually, you know what else? Since we're talking about sad things that have happened, um, Paul went out for a real one. Ronnie Spector has passed away recently as well. Ugh. Um, and that was another sort of episode where we had to sort of change the vibe a little bit because of a uh, horrible man, Phil Spector's uh, involvement with with her career, and then his subsequent album, which Rolling Stone uh, uh, put on the list for some stupid fucking reason. Um, so, Rancid man, yeah. Phil Spector, so look, overrated producer, Phil Spector. I have faith in our ability to approach this with the uh, delicate care that is necessary while still being able to do the occasional dick joke. I'm going to try and make it goofy. Wave still being respectful. Goofy and respectful is uh, is our MO. That's how we do every damn week. Um, hey, Eddie Ting, good luck. Good luck with this one, Eddie <laughs> Ting on the soundboard. It's cutting out the worst wee things that might be said. Anyway, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you, I hope you listen to this record. It's an uh, interesting listen. Enjoy the episode. Here is what Rolling Stone magazine had to say about... Sinead O'Connor's I do not want what I haven't got how could I possibly know what I want when I was only 21 the Irish art rocker asked on her breakthrough second album Sinead O'Connor struck a nerve with her keening voice her shaved head and her tortured grandiosity in The Emperor's New Clothes and I Am Stretched on Your Grave but she hit number one with an obscure Prince breakup ballad Nothing Compares to You Originally just filler on a flop album by The Family, it became O'Connor's signature song. I love it when people talk about what age they are in songs. Uh, especially, like, she must have been, what, like, 25 when she wrote that song? And she's like, how was I supposed to know what I wanted when I was 21? And it's like, well, you're 25? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's not that much older. I like it when people ask what age they are in songs, like Big One Two. Yeah, I like that. I like that example of. I can't think of any others. <laughs> there's nice. like there's a good song by uh, I think they're an Icelandic post-punk band who kind of sound like the punk-top version of the Cure, and uh, she's got this. The lead singer's got this bit where she's like, "Fuck you for fucking me when I was 17. And you're like, "What? That's powerful, man!" Wow. Yeah, that's and there's cool. another example. Bright eyes. I think I've talked about this in the podcast before, but it's like Bright Eyes, he's got this bit where he's like, um, you'd think after 22 years I'd be used to the spin. And then you're like, oh, actually, no, 22's baby, baby dick mortgage. I like when King, Cud- um, King Cuddy, uh, Kid Cuddy says he's dirty 30 and feeling flirty. <laughs> <laughs>
Anyway, that's a good, good, good blurb. Pretty basic blurb. Yeah, uh, Irish art rocker. You know, that's probably the most succinct way that you could accurately describe our our shenanigans. I would call it post punk, first... but uh, I'm willing to bend at the knee to their definition. Art rock. Yeah, I think I think I think art art, art rock is is more accurate than post punk personally. Um, our first Irish entrant on the list mm-hmm. about goddamn time. Is it really the first Irish person? I've said that with some degree of confidence, <laughs> having not thought about it at all previously to the words leaving my mouth. But I can't think of no anyone else previously. No, no I, I don't think so. Probably like we've done like three Thin Lizzy albums, and we're like, no, I think this is the first one, but we haven't. I don't, I don't think. I don't think. Boys to men are from Kerry. <laughs> yeah, a few Scottish people, but no Irish so far. Yeah. Um, so, they, they, you know, there probably will be someone who... Um, technically, actually, the Flying Burrito Brothers were had a guitarist who was born in County Clare. Shut the who fuck up. Who you doing up. an impression of there? Me. Oh, that's a shame <laughs> that you feel that way about yourself. Um, so Sinead O'Connor, I mean, with uh, I'm assuming that you'd heard of her, knew of her. Not too quite recently. Um, I think last year or the year before, she had a kind of memoir come out called Remembrances, and she was mm-hmm. doing the doing the doing the publicity tour. So she was on Blind Boys Boatcast, Blind Boys Boatcast, Blind Boy Boat Clubs Podcast, Blind Boys Boat. That should have been what it's called. He- What's well, his fishing podcast? <laughs> uh, just does that. What's that thing? The fishing forecast. The, sh- the, the shipping, shipping forecast. forecast. Yes, it's just that. But hello, oh, my Jesus crawling Christ. winters. <laughs> <laughs> hello, my little fishies on the dishes. Uh, so she was on that talking. About, I was in an interview with her, and then mm. there's also uh, a great, great, great. Probably the best weekly piece of music journalism that comes out, as far as I'm concerned, by a guy called Tom Brahan. He does the number ones, but he goes through every US number one single and gives you a mm. full... Like this week, it's uh, Sir Mix-A-Lot, Baby, uh, Baby Got Back. And it doesn't matter how high high, uh, high culture or low culture it is, he'll do a fucking really deep, interesting dive on that song. Yeah. And the one he does What do you great. think's... What do you think Sir Mix-a-Lot was um, knighted for? Well, he says, and the thing he says, he was never actually formally knighted, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, really? based in Seattle, a uh, huge uh, kind of party rap star of the <laughs> Pacific Northwest. But as far as I'm concerned, Lizzie has never uh, brought that sword down on his blades. You know what I'm saying? Well, then I'd like to bring a sword down on his balls for... <laughs> Falsely claiming to be a knight of False the realm. Valor. Is that what it's called? Stolen Valor? You familiar with that? Term? It sounds about right. I yeah. am now. I always That's I was always cool. kinda do you know when you're a wee boy and your mum buys you a jacket from like uh, George or something and it says like Arctic Force on the mm. lapel? I was always really embarrassed. Like somebody from the Arctic Force is gonna see me wearing that and go, <laughs> You've never been in the fucking Arctic Force <laughs> They'd be like, No, my mum bought me there was come on. <laughs> You, you don't work for FCUK. <laughs> <laughs> I 
that's a sweary word, by the way. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, yeah. Based on that, I would say my knowledge of it's quite recent, but I, I like this. So I was, I think I was getting into Prince after he died or something, mm. and then this came up, and I was like, oh, this right. is interesting. But I'd never heard this album. I'd only heard that one song, the Nothing Compares to You. Yeah. So this is a, an example of an artist who really has one huge song mm-hmm. that that most people will know but i reckon you stop people on the street they'd struggle to name many others and they'd be confused as to why you were stopping them excuse me name a Sinead O'Connor song that isn't nothing compared <laughs> to you oh, I'm more of a ton maybe billy fan. billy on the street could do a that's brutal that episode where he's just like name a woman and the woman is like can't do it why is this so yeah. hard very funny uh, yeah, so, I mean, look, obviously, um, enjoy an album. Uh, long-time listeners will know that, despite my accent, I'm a... Full-fledged Irishman. Absolutely. Um, so, I'm aware of uh, Sinead's oeuvre. Mm-hmm. She wasn't played much in my house, though, to be fair to her. she. Uh, but my, my dad kept a keen eye on the going-ons of, of Sinead O'Connor. Can I just say a little, and, uh, uh, a little thing? You put your dad's favourite song on the playlist last week. Yeah. Uh, like a Hurricane by Neil Young. Mm. I think your dad should be hosting this, now. you? That's a fucking banger. No offence to you. I can, I can host as my dad. Imagine you your dad and my dad teaming up. My dad's talking about oh Rammstein. God. Your dad's talking about Neil Young. What a fucking duo. My dad wouldn't talk about Neil Young for very long. He'd just start telling you sad stories about weddings in Ireland from the 1980s that go on forever. You don't think that'd be better? It was 1982. <laughs> and I remember it was a Tuesday because Sean Maloney had just had his hair cut. And jazz did we, we had a good laugh at his hair. Because he got it shorter than usual. And anyway, it was a sad wedding because the bride died on the way. But did, didn't they get married anyway? <laughs> And the party after, we went to all Finnegan's, uh-huh. and God Almighty, did did Jerry Maguire get a slap across the head? <laughs> Tom Cruise as Jerry Maguire? <laughs> no, we we used to call him Jerry Maguire because he looked the spit of Tom Cruise. <laughs> anyway, he died in a fire that night as well. Very sad. You had me at died in the fire. Two days later. God, it's just it's just long stories, and everyone dies. Sounds great. And you just have to nod. It's not. Good. Sounds like Game of Thrones. <laughs> There was, um, can I tell you some quick funny nicknames from my dad's village? Mm-hmm. Um, there was a man they called Taliban because he liked to fight. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Wait, how long had the Taliban been kicking about? I, I thought they were know, quite but... recent. I don't think they were in your dad's era. Well, well, maybe that's maybe that's a recent one that he's uh-huh. told me. There was a guy called Blackie mm-hmm. um, because his hair used to be black. <laughs> Well, grey doesn't have the same same ring. Well, he went grey, and they started to call him Blackie. Uh-huh. So that's the the what kind a, of ingenuity. That's the kind of Celtic ingenuity that we're dealing with this uh-huh. week, and I think a lot of that comes out in Sinead's lyrics. I love Ireland as a country, but it's got a couple of problems, I would say. Yeah, of which uh, Sinead is actually her story kind of does a little tour of a lot of the historical issues with uh, the Republic of mm-hmm. Ireland. Um, should we get into it? Oh, yeah, so you, you didn't know about it at all? 
Or you knew about her, but not in a not in a deep way. Probably about the same as yeah, much as yeah. you did. One hit, one down. I I I I'd seen was there an issue and heard of know. I'd heard of some of her controversies, and we have a whole section dedicated to mm-hmm. them later in the pod because she has skirted controversy uh, for good and bad throughout her entire career. Yeah, and um, and we're gonna. We're going to get into that too, um, but we start the way we always start. Secret Pacho, Secret Secret Pacho, you do it fast and it feels like Nacho, got no money, you got that bro, Secret Pacho. Yeah, um, you know what, P- probably actually a little bit, but but the rest of but the rest the rest of her life is, is so tinged with tragedy that I, I, I actually feel uncomfortable even putting the label on her because it, you know it it, it, had, it had no tangible benefit would you say uh, that da- one of the like say Anne Boleyn who you know married into the royal family and then had her head cut off would you say that she wasn't a secret posho just because she had well, her head cut off well allow me to um to to expand okay. on 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 this thesis before before picking it apart. So yeah, go ahead. Her, her, her dad was a barrister. Um so you know, that's a bit of a, a middle class upbringing, right? But but his uh, her dad and her mum divorced. Her dad then went on to basically become like the secretary of divorce in in Ireland, which is like about as divorced a move as you can do. Mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos will be doing that next. Well, it's Marvin Gaye level divorce. <laughs> it's like I'm not just going to divorce. I'm going to write an album, or I'm going to become. I'm going to make it easy for everyone to get divorced. I'm actually so going to be the divorce king. Yeah, um, and it's from interviews with with Shinoda Connor and her her brothers. One of her brothers is like a, a quite well respected novelist, um, but have spoken about the sort of uh, the physical and emotional abuse. Um, received by uh, their mother. Uh, Sinead went to live with her dad, but was such a um, problem child in their eyes mm-hmm. um, that she ended up going to like a, a, a kind of boarding school called... Magdalene uh, School. Yeah. Yeah. A Magdalene Asylum. So these were schools, they were religious institutions for, quote... Fallen women, end quote. Uh, women that had become pregnant or were seen as promiscuous or misbehaved were sent to these sort of institutions around all of Europe, but it was a huge thing in Ireland. Have you seen the film Philomena? <laughs> Philomena Kunk? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, not the Diane Morgan character. Okay. <laughs> she should have There's a, a film. film. She's funny. It's a Steve Coogan film. It's called Philomena, and it's about oh. um, one of these institutions, and and you know uh, this old lady finds this journalist to go back and investigate what happened there. Basically, these places were really dreadful. They were like more militant than prisons. There are like over the last few years in Ireland, repeatedly, you know, they keep finding like mass graves yeah. of. Children that were born there and women who Septic died there. tanks, etc. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really brutal. They were like workhouses. Um, so, like, 
yeah, so Schneider Corner was in one of those mm-hmm. f- for a while. Um, before one of the volunteers there um, heard her singing a song by Barbara Streisand. Uh, the song is from uh, like an old version. You know, A Star Is Born was like a remake. Yes. Yeah, with, the, with Lady Gaga, Stephanie Jim. Jason Isbell also wrote one of the songs from A Star Is Born. My friend, Jason Isbell. Well, there you go. The Enjoying Album Multiverse is all coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, so some volunteer heard her singing this Barbara Streisand song and uh, and recruited her to join his band. Um, and then Into a newer, they were called. Yeah. Um, she was very young. And then she went to join another band called Ton Ton Makut. Uh-huh. And I put that into the Irish Gaelic to English translation. Uh-huh. And it said, um, no translation found. <laughs> well, it's kind of because there's two bands called Tonton McCute. There's this band that had Sinead O'Connor that got her discovered. And then there's this other English jazz rock band. Then I was very confused when I was listening to it. I was like, this doesn't sound like the type of band that Sinead O'Connor would be in. This is like uh, shit. Well, the good thing about Google Translate is when you put in uh, something and it says uh, there's no translation, it does say, did you mean Greek? <laughs> So, Tonton Makut in Greek means uh, the chewing gum. Oh. I, d- I don't think that's what... I doubt that. <laughs> Can any of our Greek uh, listeners let us know if that's accurate? We are number 437 on the comedy podcast chart in Greece. Yes, in Athens, mm-hmm. specifically. The rest of Greece, we're, uh, we've not hit the top 500, but... I looked up Tonton Makut. It's like an, one of those Irish... Uh, like figures, those kind of like folk figures, like a Finn McCool or uh, uh, all those other crazy folk you've got running around over there. Yeah, it's, it's like you know, it's like a monster, I think. Yeah, it's all this like steeped in tradition. It's kind of like a, it's a, it's kind of unavoidable to be a musician in Ireland without you know some sort of naming yourself after a man with a horse's head who steals paints. <laughs> I was just going to say a relationship with the long heritage of Irish folk music. But yeah, that as well. They were signed and they were given U2's old manager. Who then, uh, Sinead, uh, wrote a song with The Edge from the U2. Um, from The U2. Oh my mm-hmm. God, I sound 500 years old. Mm-hmm. The U2. The, now they were playing Sean Maloney's Wedding. The U2 <laughs> were there. And then they died in a fire. <laughs> if only. <laughs> Oh, one day I would like to do an extended bonus pod deep dive into U2's Spider-Man musical. More than happy to do that. I mean, they do show up at some point on this. If you, I mean, you do seem comfortable with the idea of doing any bonus episodes. Now you want to do a musical? What, the U2 Spider-Man musical? I think that's great. If If you're listening to this and you want to listen to something that's similar to that before we do it, you talking U2 to me, done an episode on it? Oh, did they? Oh, yeah. right. We'll scrap it then. I'm not interested. I'm I'm only interested in new fresh, fresh content. F- fresh, new fresh content. Not like this uh, idea that's been done th- three or four times already. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sinead studied something called the bel canto singing technique. Have you read about this? No. So it's like a an old Italian style of singing. Um, it kind of it's a it's a pretty loosely 
there's lots of there seems to be lots of different interpretations of what it means, but basically it's this idea that your voice is for more than just sounding nice with music and can be used in a really powerful way if you you know pay attention to the word that you are saying uh-huh. and then use your voice to you know uh express the meaning of the word rather than just singing it nicely that's also uh, quite um maybe stereotypical is it a catholic thing i i don't know but i i think it's very yeah i think a good example of it is in nothing compares to you mm-hmm. when actually if you really pay attention to the way Sinead O'Connor's singing you can hear it's it's kind of mad really nothing compares to, to you yeah she's going from whispering to talking to mm-hmm. singing and everything is different like uh, intonations and I so was I think listening it, to uh, an interview with her and she said that she didn't talk about the Bill Cantor thing but she did talk about how that she sees herself not really as a obviously she has wrote songs but she says her strength as a performer, isn't from being a songwriter, it's from being a Stanislavski and uh, reinterpreter, a method singer who embodies. So it's kind of the same thing in different words. I hate Stanislavski. Oh. You're a Brecht guy? Well, you don't necessarily. You're the Breakfast to... Club? <laughs> Dude, that would have killed at my first year university class. <laughs> I should have showed up. Where were you? 15 years I old. Just... I just. Oh. <laughs> Just fucking grown adults pretending to be cats. That's I'm like, get fucked. I'm Maybe if they'd done that when they'd done the film Cats, it would have been a lot better rather than just CGI and on fake pink assholes to James Corden's ball bag. They were all pretending to be cats. I bet they were all fucking coming over Stanislavski in the rehearsal room. <laughs> Idris Elba in a, a long coat licking his own cat fanny. Yeah, fuck that, man. Uh, uh, anyway, um, yeah, no, that that does make sense to me though. Like, this is why I think Art Rocker is a good um, description because the way she talks and thinks about not just music but specifically how to sing, I think is uh, is quite interesting. My issue with the term Art Rock is that it implies that all rock is not art. Yeah, I understand that. It's like when someone when when no, you people, don't understand. This is more artistic because yeah, yeah, uh, I've it's, read it, books. Okay, it's bro. like it's like when people describe something good that they see as art, like that oh, that art. film that that was art, and it's like well, it's all art. What you mean is it's good art, and you've enjoyed it. Yeah, because I'm sorry to say, Steps is art. <laughs> it's bad art, uh-huh. but it's it's also art. Um, Whereas I would say. Post-punk, obviously you disagreed at the start of the show with my genre description of post-punk, but to me, post-punk takes the uh, the ideas of punk, the anti-establishment, the kind of going against the norms and combining disparate genres, uh, but in a way that doesn't sound like traditional punk music. Well, I, I I guess, but then we'll get to the album in a bit. I don't think there's many post-punk albums that end with, you know, long acapella call type um, songs or whatever. Like, I, it, even though semantically it's not that accurate, I mm-hmm. think art rock as a genre, if we're going to compare this to other music. I just hate the term art rock. 
Right, I'm picking up on that. Yeah. I think if we're if we're if we're in H and V and we're deciding where to put this, I'm sorry, but Art Rock is. Should it be in the affection section or the non section? Shut section? the fuck up. Yeah, let's do the last episode to get that. Joe. That's how you joke about the last episode. Her first album, The Lion and the Cobra, mm-hmm. uh, much like you and I. What one the, are you? The Dionysian. Oh, come on, you don't think you're a lion, do you? You you're a cobra, snake. you're a little snake, you're a little snake, I'm a lion. Look at my big hair. I've got a beard and a big hair, I'm like a mane. I'm a lion mane, okay. you're a cobra mane. <laughs> An overwatch. Little gaming joke. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> for everybody who loves the Dark Soul boss bits, then uh, that one was for you. And, it, and the first album did pretty well. Um, but really, it was the release of Nothing Compares to You that, that shot her to, to, to total mega stardom. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a song, obviously, that you know is you will know. You I know? thought this, because I'd only heard that, I was like, this will be one of the records they've stuck on where it's a one hit wonder, but they'll think it's important and they're doing a list of albums, so they stick it on. It's a great song. It's a great song. It's it's a masterpiece of a song. Have you heard the original? Yeah, uh, so it's kind of so the original by Prince when he was in the band The Family. No, he wasn't in the band The Family. He had an extra band called The Time, Morris Day and The Time. Uh, they broke up, but he had some of the members that he wanted as his kind of. He wasn't in the band, but they were his like. He was their mentors, and then he right, gave okay. them this song. So he wasn't in the band. That's what. Sorry. No, that's okay. So Prince and The Family. Um, released this uh, it was a part of their album and it's kind of a funky it's a completely different arrangement you know it sounds so to call this a cover isn't really fair because it's basically been it's a Stanislavski reinterpretation the house has been knocked down and and rebuilt on the foundations uh so you 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 wouldn't really go back and listen you know sometimes you hear a cover and you go back you listen to the original and you're like wow this is great you don't it's a weird it's, it's almost a weird song but I guess Sinead O'Connor heard it and, and saw the potential in it. Our manager brought it to her. Um, he said, you need a hit. And she was like, mm-hmm. hey, baby. Hey, Sinead, baby. I love all this art rock you got going on. This post-punk Irish folk. It's great. But you need a hit, baby. That's why she's bold. Because uh, our manager said, uh, you need to grow your hair out longer. And you have to dress a bit sexier. And she went, okay, bold. Yeah, so I mean, we're gonna start getting into what makes her such a fucking legend in my eyes. Uh huh. Um, I mean, that leads. So, as we said earlier, mired with controversy. One of the things um, that recently, in the last ten years or so, gained her a bit of uh, press was an open letter she wrote to Miley Cyrus. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just after Miley Cyrus's wrecking ball song came out and the opening shot of the video is is kind of it is an homage to nothing compares to you um this sort of close-up uh director camera about to cry singing mm-hmm. um and then you know it kind of veers away from Sinead o'connor as she uh nakedly straddles a wrecking ball um coming to and from the camera so Sinead o'connor wrote this open letter saying Look, you're very talented, mm-hmm. and I'm very touched that you like my music, but you don't need to get naked. 
The people who are asking you to get naked, they do not care about you and they do not care about your music. They just want you to prostitute yourself so that they can make money out of your body. And this is why when they told me to do that, I shaved my head and I stopped. I didn't wear sexy clothes. And there was a little bit of, you know, some people were like, well, you know. Two waves of feminism coming head to head right here. It, it really is. But I would, if you're unsure of where you stand there, I would suggest go looking at the letter. I think Sinead makes her case pretty well mm-hmm. um, in that, you know, she kind of says, look, what, what they're telling you is empowering isn't really empowering for you because all you're doing is making them lots of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're incredibly talented. And if, if that's a choice that you want to make, then you can make it. But it's kind yeah. of the issue I had with the Lord and St. Vincent album covers. It was like, is this something you want to do? Or is this something Jack Antonoff is pushing? Yeah, yeah. Let's not bring that uh, up. Yeah, so um, that's kind of the most, one of the most recent, you know, controversies that she's had. But um, really, I want to get into the good, the, the one of the greatest rock and roll controversies of all time. Saturday night live so i'm gonna i was explaining this to lauren yesterday she didn't really know about this so let's just go from the beginning sinead o'connor was the musical guest on saturday night live in the early 90s the song she had chosen to sing was a song called war by bob marley and the whalers Mm -hmm. she was gonna sing it a cappella. it's incredibly powerful it's the lyrics are incredibly powerful and she does, you can tell, it's that bel canto singing technique. She again, looking straight down the camera, and she's singing about war and how war will always be, and she's singing about just horrible things that happen and child abuse, etc., etc. And in the rehearsal, at the end of the song, she held up a picture of a child refugee, and that was going to be the powerful final shot. But then, without telling anybody... When it went out live on television to however many millions of people around America, at the end of the song, instead of holding up a picture of a child refugee, she held up a picture of Pope John Paul II and she ripped it to shreds just after saying the words child abuse and then shouted, fight the real enemy. And, oh, my God. So I'd heard of it. And I'd probably, I think I'd seen some people do, like, talking head reactions to the moment or whatever. But I went back and it's on YouTube. Mm. I watched it from start to finish. And it is fucking exhilarating. It is one of the most incredible live, like, moments on record that you can watch. When you know what she's doing and the statement she's making after the, the song she sings and the way she sings it. Is I, I highly recommend just going and watching it start to finish. I think it's really, really powerful. I had two reactions. Mm. First, I think it's very funny at the end of it. Uh, she rips a picture of the Pope in half. Mm. And then the song ends. And I don't know if you've ever seen Saturday Night Live, but usually when a song ends, people start applauding. Mm-hmm. One guy claps. He goes... Yeah. As if well, his the, friend went, no, no, no. The, the director... <laughs> Whilst, as soon as it happened, said, don't turn the applause light on. Normally, it's a big light that says, applause oh, now. Wow. But, so he was, uh, they were watching it live and he said, don't don't turn it on. So it's eerily 
painfully silent at the end. I remember seeing Alassie. I was I was seeing one of my bands. I seen one of my pals' bands when I was younger in Glasgow, and that room above a pub that isn't there anymore outside Queen Street Station. The Veil, it's called. It was called, and there was this lassie opening for the band, and she just sang a cappella. And this is, you know, looking back, I realised I was completely in the wrong and extremely ignorant. But I went up to her after a second, I was like, that was great. Have you thought about getting, like, a guitar player or something to, like, oh play with you? Instead, I mean, it's just it's uh, really awkward when these... Unwarranted just, feedback. Unwarranted feedback. From men. But you know what? She stood up to me, she went, I think it's cool when I sing, everybody shuts up, everybody paying attention, because it's not background music, it's like, I'm singing mm-hmm. a cappella and everybody's paying attention, and I was like, alright, but now I look back and I was like, I'm such a gonk, I'm such and a fucking woman, idiot. And that woman was Adele. That woman was Sinead O'Connor. Uh, it's it, it's really, like, the song already is powerful, that thing at the end is like, woo. so like, the thing is, it did not go down well. Now, yeah. for us... 30 years later, we look back we can and look we go, at it. Yeah, more people should have been written up pictures of the Pope. We're like, you fucking rock. But at the time, people lost their shit. My second reaction is, why don't more Rangers fans like Sinead O'Connor? You think they should be singing Nothing Compares to You at halftime at Ibrox? Yeah, about, you know. Nothing compares. Hey, nothing compares. And they should all have pictures of the Pope written up. You know? How? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I should be in charge of what songs people sing at the football games, I think. It's been 12 seasons since we existed. <laughs> you have just been cancelled. Little joke about Do you know how many Broxy, Brox, Ibroxy bears we have listening to this and you've just absolutely <laughs> turned them against you? You already <laughs> Irish and English. <laughs> and a wank. And now this. <laughs> bring it. Fucking bring it. Okay. Um... Yeah, so... Can I just read out what uh, the Joe Pesci thing? Yeah, okay, so uh, there was basically universal condemnation despite the fact that what she was saying was right and it took (laughs) nine years for the church to admit that what she was saying was right. Mm -hmm. Um, The next week, Joe Pesci was the host and this is what he said. Joe Pesci held up a photo of the Pope that had been taped back together. And I think that's funny because that means he also tore up a picture of the Pope. (laughs) No, it's the same photo. Is it the exact same one? If you watch it, you can see it is exactly the same because it's even a bit missing that they couldn't find. (laughs) Joe Pesci held, I think it's the idea of him backstage rubbing up and then going, hey, somebody's taped it together again. <laughs> like Blue Peter style. After the clip crowd applauded, Pesci said, I mean, why should I let it bother me, right? It wasn't my show. It was Tom Tim Robbins' show. But I'll tell you one thing. She was very lucky it wasn't my show. Because if it was my show, I would have gave her such a smack. Mm. Hard man. Big hard yeah. man. Then Frank Sinatra said, this must be one stupid broad. Sinatra told the audience at a show in New Jersey, I'd kick her ass if she were a guy. She must beat her kids to stay in shape. Here's my idea. Okay. Would you like to see Sinead getting her own back somehow? Maybe she's stuck in her home alone. Joe Pesci and Frank Sinatra try to get inside the home, but Sinead O'Connor has set up kind of traps. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to keep them out, do you know what I mean? Like uh, heating up doorknobs with a flamethrower or 
paint cans on strings down the stairs. I think that would be great. Um, few things, few things to add here of interest. It was the second time Frank Sinatra publicly criticised Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> um, he also had a go at her because uh, she was playing a show in New Jersey, and traditionally, before uh, artists performed at this venue, the national anthem would be played, mm-hmm. and she said, "Well, no, you're not playing the national anthem before I play." Mm-hmm. And then that got out to the press, and it, it was Sinead O'Connor hates national anthem. And yeah, Frank Sinatra said uh, if he would kick her ass. Yeah, actually said he would kick her in the ass. Which <laughs> is a bit kick her in kick the ass. ass. Well, it's like kicking Bishop Brenner but up the ass. Uh-huh. Um, the most Irish thing you can do. So yeah, uh, the Joe Pesci thing, obviously disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, some fucking little rat man, just like saying on national television they'd like to slap a woman because she's what fucking opinionated and correct about shit um so what i found interesting that you can watch these clips back to back on Mm -hmm. youtube um the joe pesci's opening monologue is has been uploaded to youtube by the official saturday night live youtube channel Uh sinead o'connor's has been uploaded by a fan Uh so the saturday night live still 30 years later Team Pesci over Sinead O'Connor. Mm. That's fucking foul. Uh, I, you Joe don't Pesci like Sinead... Joe Pesci at all? Not based on this. <laughs> no, I think that's that's horrible. Look, I think. Well, apologise. Just apologise. Say, you know what? I was wrong. I was mm. wrong to say that, and I was wrong. Like you know, and I want. Him, and also, I want him to denounce his god. <laughs> I want him to he's denounce like, Home Alone three, and that it wasn't even. He's in. Like, I'm a Catholic, so you know, she said this. I want to slap her. Well, you were wrong. So uh, you know that bit in There Will Be Blood when uh, Daniel Day Lewis makes Paul Daniel denounce God, uh, Paul Dano even, not Paul Daniels the magician. <laughs> <laughs> he makes Paul Dano denounce God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want you to say that God is a superstition and that you are a false prophet. Mm-hmm. I want Saturday Night Live next week to open Joe Pesci hosting. Daniel Day-Lewis, in character from There Will Be Blood, getting him to denounce God and say that, that God is a superstition. Then I'll forgive him and I'll start enjoying his films again. Like Junior, the film in which uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, has a baby. I'm pretty sure he's in that. He's not. That's, is he not? That's Daniel DeVito. Is it? A different Italian man. Oh, no! Liam is cancelled for confusing <laughs> two Italian men. Wow. I don't think that would Daniels. be the most controversial aspect of this episode. I'd love to see there will be blood starring Paul Daniels, though. I wish I could do a Paul Daniels accent so I could start talking about <laughs> What I accent did you have? He's, he's like that. I've, I've drunk all your milkshake and made it disappear. He drank it up. <laughs> Bloody hell, where's my wife? <laughs> Debbie, have abandoned me boy. But I just have to say, like, that in terms of, like, uh, you know, stunts, um, you know, often artists get accused of, you know, oh, just trying to drum up some publicity for their album or anything. This was, I think, a genuinely brave move from Sinead O'Connor because it was very nearly actually career-ending. Um, and it went down so poorly, and, and, and she was right. She was absolutely right, and I think... You know, kudos. Well, um, it's not about whether she was right to do it at the end of the career. But Blind Boy asked her if she, if he thought 
Blaine Boy asked her on the podcast if she thought that it ended her career, and she said, no, it saved her career. Releasing Nothing Compares to You destroyed her career because it made everybody think she was a pop star, and she wasn't a pop star. She's like a protest singer. She's like a political figure. So everybody thinking that she was like <laughs> this love song singer. She was like, that ruined my career. Let's sort it out. Because most people aren't supposed to like the stuff I do. Interesting. That's really interesting. Um, Madonna responded as well. Um, by basically saying that she thought Sinead O'Connor was out of order for using religious iconography in did that she way. not do a song about praying being like sucking dick absolutely and like um this was a few years after that so she'd already done it but so it's kind of seen as a pretty cynical um response because madonna was publicizing her album erotica at the time mm-hmm. and so people were like madonna you're just saying this she's saying Come stuff on. a lot of the time huh no yeah. offense great singer madonna but is she on the list? She, oh, she must be. She must be. We'll get into Madge when when she comes up, but I reckon best Bond song of all time. Let's face it. Get absolutely fucked with that. Die. We've done this before. We've done this before. Anyway, yeah. did you hear about the Bob Dylan thing? Uh, yeah. So after uh, uh, a couple of weeks after she was performing Schneider Connor at a Bob Dylan thirtieth anniversary of a, a particular album i think it was just like his career i think and it was just a bob dylan tribute show and everybody was there bob dylan was not uh, bob dylan wasn't there george harrison was there eric clapton was there tom petty was there johnny Cash bob dylan was wasn't there. there no he wasn't what Chris an christopherson maybe he was in the crowd going but he didn't rain. turn up to get his he got a nobel prize for for literature and he didn't show up and even wrote a book it's like, bro, come on. I know you're cool, but be nice. Everybody sucks my dick. And um, they brought out uh, Sinead, Chris Christopherson introduced Sinead to do a cover of a Bob Dylan song. And the crowd booed her like fuck. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is a big example of, to bring up my best friend, Jason Isbell, who you don't respect. I He was talking about this and he was saying he makes political statements and he gets away with it. You know, he hasn't been, he hasn't, even though he's against gun control, as a country singer, people still show up and he's not, he's not being, like, cancelled or anything. Whereas the Dixie Chicks, they went against the Bush administration right after 9-11 because, you know, they, they were against the Iraq war and they got uh, their careers got absolutely destroyed. And he was saying, it's not because that topic is any different from my topic. It's because they're women and mm-hmm. we live in a patriarchal society. And if a woman, you know, look, look at the people who were in that list, the people at the Bob Dylan thing, like people like Johnny Cash who's done anti-war songs and stuff like that, and all these different singers. Neil Young who spoke out against, like, loads of I stuff. Do, I do largely agree. However, I reckon at that stage, I reckon if a dude had ripped up a picture of the Pope, that's quite, that's a bit more inflammatory. I don't think people even would have heard about it if it was a gay. I disagree. Okay. I, I especially with like the the the, the hold that the Catholic Church has, uh, not not just on on you know uh, America, but specifically on Ireland as well. I think people would have lost their fucking rag. Um, uh, either way, however, I, I do agree generally with a point, and it's I think it's quite interesting to be booed off at a uh, 
Did you hear what she did though? She was supposed to sing the song When they started booing it She was 25 years old A hunt Like 10,000 20,000 people started booing her And she just started singing War The way she sang it On Saturday Night Live And then she walked off Whoa What an absolute fucking queen Powerful man We haven't even started Talking about the album yet No I know Right There's one more A slight controversy I want to get into Before we get into the album Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, well, no, we will get into this, and and it is her relationship with Prince, mm. um, who so nothing compares to you was out huge success. They had never met prior to the song, you know, blowing up. So Prince invited her over to um, his mansion, and uh, apparently it all got a bit fucking weird. There's kind of all, uh, different versions of events from Sinead. It's called, sort of said a few different things. But but something seemed to remain true, and and that is that Prince was a bit fucking weird with her. He told her they didn't like her swearing, mm-hmm. um, and Sinead O'Connor said, "And you don't want to tell an Irish woman that." No, um, which I found quite funny. Um, and they had a fight of some sort. Pillow fight. And then a pillow fight, but maybe he'd put something hard he in the put pillow. A hard thing in the pillow, which, in my experience, really out of order. Rat move, yeah, total rat move. Oh, we're having a fun pillow fight. It's like putting a stone in a snowball, you know what I mean? Which I've done, yeah. and, you know, my friend Connor started crying. Yeah. Bang out. You threw it at a woman singing a cappella. <laughs> in the veal bar, yeah. Which I thought was out of order. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, she had to escape from his mansion, um, and he stalked her in his car, driving around the mansion mm-hmm. at 5am. So, not a good move from, from Prince. From the sounds of things. He was a strange guy. Yeah. Um, and before we get... Did you hear uh, what he wrote the song about? Uh, go on. So obviously, one theory as to why this song, even though it's by a kind of relatively unknown Irish singer, one re- theory why it hits so hard is the fact that because she does this Stanislavski in style where she method sings and she puts... It's like nothing compares to you. She's singing to her like abusive mother, mm. and that's why she starts crying in the video because she's thinking about her mother. But Prince wrote it about like his housekeeper, who stopped working for him. And w- wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> no way. Prince had He's just this, sitting like, there seven. counting the hours since his housekeeper left. He his fucking plate stacker. Sixteen days since you hoovered my carpet. <laughs> the dishes pile up beside. <laughs> Nothing compares to the way you dusted my shelves. Wow. Wow. The thing is, right, uh, it's one of those songs that is like, I mean, songs about broken hearts are always, you know, kind of universal, but the, it, it taps into this very specific... Um, you know, we've spoken a bit before about the insane way that you act when you're heartbroken. Mm-hmm. You know, like you go to for Cosmopol- on your own and... Cosmopolitan magazine. Yeah, and uh, you know, we could talk very quickly about the video as well. Um, you know, it's um, you you'll have seen it, and if you haven't, Jesus Christ, you know, uh, incredibly iconic music video. Sinead is staring again straight to camera. Uh, well, she's actually not staring straight to camera. She only looks at the camera when she says sort of the words to you. Um, and it's sort of in the with her walking around this park in France sort of listlessly. Um, 
And it's just, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a really amazing performance. that when, Because you've seen it so much, just like on greatest music videos of all time with Stuart McConey. Uh, it's, you kind of forget. But then when you actually sit and watch it, all like in a one you're like, yeah, it's a really amazing, powerful performance. And there's like two single tears roll down. Uh, her cheeks just i think it's so song. iconic and so beloved that it's kind of became background music to me like it just kind of sound i, I can't hear well then in the, that the case i it, suggest John. you seek out the live version mm. that she that and so she's wearing this fucking cool as shit like a uh, top gun jacket and there's like a hundred thousand people there or something fucking insane and she sings it uh and she just looks incredible the whole time. Like, it's just... The the, the the song and video is already a combination of sort of everything hitting 10 out of 10. You know, arrangement, performance, delivery, everything. But then the live version, there's a bit where she howls. Normally when it's just like the strings coming in. She's howling into this microphone. And it's really, really amazing. Can I just say I love that when... Two examples of it. I think I spoke about the Future Islands thing before. Remember when we saw Future Islands and he does like the death metal growls and stuff? Yeah. Big Thief do it as well. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the live version of Not mm. uh, on the most recent. they done like a kind of studio session, kind of like a John Peel session, but they just done it in like a bunker somewhere. Yep. And uh, she does like screamo vocals at one bit and it's like hair stand up in the back. You're like, I love when singers put howling and screaming into live versions and you're just like wow yeah well then check this out and i think it will reinvigorate your um your your relationship with the song not the only good song on the record though well before we get to the record okay i have a new idea we have the sections we have uh quiz we have secret Porsche. uh i've got an idea for a new segment it's called uh, tattoo woohoo or tattoo boohoo where we will discuss the tattoos and the relative merits now you were giving me a bit of hassle about the theme tune for quiz mm. you thought it was a bit undercooked it's a bit basic. yeah a little bit raw right well I've, I've come up with a kind of I've come up with a theme tune for tattoo woohoo or tattoo boohoo if you're interested let's hear it okay With two guys reviewing tattoos We're gonna Google image search And then we choose if it's Tattoo woohoo or tattoo boohoo We're judging the ink, yeah that's what we do Full sleeve or face tats Big skull or wing backs You pick the design, is it bad or just fine? A dragon or a skull, pretentious or dull, we will decide you cannot hide from Tattoo Woohoo or Tattoo Boohoo. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So I'm going to do that every week. Re- really good. Thanks. That's a top jingle. That's better than Secret Posho. No. It is. Long, the production on that, unreal. Needs a bit of editing. Eddie. It's a bit long. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's, you know, but I, I would listen to that. Mm-hmm. You've put, your, I can, 
I can I can feel the amount of time you put into that, and I'm really proud of you. I wrote that riff on the guitar about twelve years ago, and I've just used it there for the first time. Wow, well that's fantastic. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't riff- think we should do it because I don't want to feel. It was like, originally uh, a riff about his house cleaner. <laughs> it was originally a song about uh, the person who cleaned my room when I was uh, twenty-four. Yeah. So it's about yeah. my mum. Your mum. Uh, got there first. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Beat you. Yeah, but I don't. I don't really want it. She has had some absolute clanging tattoos. She had face tattoos that she's since removed, saying that uh, she'd get fed up of having shit on her face. And she's got a very Catholic chest piece, which is like uh, Mary Magdalene on her chest, uh, which well, I think looks quite cool. Since she went to Magdalene School. Uh, yeah. A Magdalene Asylum. Maybe. You get people, do you know, I think just because you've been absolutely abused by the structure of power in the Catholic Church doesn't mean that you don't believe in God. Well, she, I mean, she's literally not a Catholic, though. She's converted to Muslim yeah. Islam. Uh, yeah, yeah. She's converted and, and, to Muslim again. Oh. <laughs> I keep saying and, that. Uh, yeah, she goes. I mean, her 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 stage name is still Sinead O'Connor, and that is still um, how she releases music. But she has a, a her day to day name. People can hear you typing. They know you don't know Liam. Is uh, <laughs> Shahada Sadakat. Yeah. Apologies if I've mispronounced that. I think you did a good um, job. So yeah, so she she literally when you say, I mean that's quite interesting that she still has like a Catholic chest piece, um, when uh. You know, she's now converted to Islam. But, hey, I've got tattoos that maybe it would take me a while to get changed. Maybe maybe one day I won't like pizza anymore. I don't eat it. I've seen you eat it. And then I'll have to change my pizza to whatever food stuff I've replaced it with. Kale or some shit. I've noticed I'm getting a bit of acid reflux when I eat kind of tomato foods sometimes. And I'm thinking, is it time to stop eating tomato foods? I don't think so. Just endure it. Just endure the yeah, agony. I think so. So, so hang on, just to be just to be certain on what you're saying, you've introduced this new um, concept for a, a a a part of the podcast, and then have subsequently said you don't want to take part well, in this it. week. Well, next week maybe. But there is a new. I just want people to know that there is a new. So, are you going to give it tattoo woohoo or tattoo boohoo? Well, I need to see the tattoos, and we need to just des- des- describe. Them. You've not. You've spent all the time on the jingle I and have no idea about the content. If you listen to the lyrics, you'll know that I have thought about the content. Right. Sinead O'Connor tattoos. Let's do it live. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Do it fucking live. I think the chest piece, woohoo, face tats, boohoo. Personally. So the chest piece is a picture of Jesus. Did he say Mary Magdalene? That was, the, they were they were the partners, I believe, those two. But it's not him. No. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, she's got a lot of religious tattoos. She's got a Celtic cross on her arm and a barbed wire heart, which I think is quite cool. Pretty badass, pretty baker. Pretty um, baker she, grove. She did have face tattoos, yeah. She had what the... She did, is, is that a B and a Q? Mm-hmm. She's really into a home DIY. Yeah, she loved that ale that's just door handles. Yeah, so but she's had them removed. Yeah, she um, said she which, was fed up of having shit on her face, which is fair enough. Well, that totally makes sense. The amount of people I see with face tattoos, it used to be a thing 
that you would see and you would go, fucking hell, we're across the street because this guy looks a bit fucking dodgy. Fucking hell, make taste over here. But now you see actual, like, people wandering around who, like, work in real places. Baristas. Well, not even just baristas, just, like, in general shops or whatever. How often have you seen a... What shops are you going to... Uh, coffee shops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there still is yeah. a stigma attached to them, but... There should be, because yeah. their face tattoos come on to fuck. Would you ever get one? No. I would get a neck tattoo, I think, maybe. Big eagle. I, I think neck is borderline, you know. But face, there's... I mean, there are some times when it's inappropriate to be having a tattoo on show. Mm-hmm. You want to be sitting there at a fucking funeral with with, with a fucking Jaffa cake tattooed on your forehead. Not a Jaffa cake, but like a... Word? R.I.P. on your eyebrow? Well, in that case, that's the one time that that's appropriate. You've gotten a tattoo for that funeral. And then next time you're at a wedding, it's awkward. Then you just got the in R.I.P. P.E.R. People go, how are you enjoying this? And you go, it's a ripper. Yeah. Or you put the word, the letter T in front and you're saying, I'm just wishing them a happy honeymoon. Have a nice... (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of stuff... Maybe you'd be yeah, better. Right. I've, like I've come round, sc- actually. It's good. Seems more like a Scrabble situation than a face tattoo situation, but definitely. Okay, so I am saying the chest piece of Jesus is uh, woohoo. Tattoo woohoo. The letters B and Q on alternating cheeks is uh, a, a boohoo or a boo Q in this case. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty bad. But she got them removed, so woohoo. Um, do you want me to do the jingle if I kind of bookend the n- segment? No, thank you. She has some Rastafarian tattoos. (laughs) The lion of something shall break every chain is like a a Rastafarian uh, reference on her. This isn't the first real episode of Tattoo Woohoo or Tattoo Boohoo. It's been a disaster. We're like an hour in and we haven't even talked about the album. Great. This is enjoying an album. It's not enjoying our Sinead's life. Well, you you introduced the the new (laughs) part. And then said you didn't want to do it. Yeah. I'm going to tattoo B and Q in your head. What an album. How does it start? The Serenity Prayer. Yes. Very common in the, uh, in 12-step recovery programs. The Serenity I Prayer. love it, honestly. I know it's a wee bit live, love, laugh. It's a wee bit Kid Cuddy lyrics. But is there any better way to live your life? Can you say it off by heart? God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I would like to add a fourth bit. You wanna? You think you can improve upon the serenity prayer? God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the strength to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, and the capability to, to have a laugh about it sometimes. Right, okay. Because they never bring that up, but I think it's a good way to live in your life. And I want to stop peeing the bed, please, <laughs> God. Whilst you're at it. <laughs> That's the serenity to know the things you can't change. Because <laughs> if you're peeing that bed... Listen, I wet the bed when I was growing up, but uh, you can get over it with uh, the help of medical professionals. So she opens on that uh, in the song Feel So Different. It's, uh, you know, in terms of a tone setter, I think that's pretty good. Um, you know, sort of let God you know, grant hey. me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And you're like, well, this is going to be a religious thing? 
And then first track, very orchestral. What strings? Oh, this is right. I've got some things to say about this song. Mm-hmm. I I am stretched on your grave. Is that the oh. one you're talking about? That's the sex song. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> That's me. Now let's talk about the sex song. I'm stretching your grave. This is my favorite song. I think on the album. Right. So. The production's a little bit mad. The drums are incredibly loud. You can kind of not really make out what she's saying. What she's saying is she's reciting an old Irish poem that has been translated into English. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this very like... Doof, 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 over her... And, and I would say the production is... I, I would like the drums to be a little bit quieter and her wow. vocals to be a little bit louder. Personally. A, the drums are a sample of Funky Drummer by James Brown, one of the most iconic samples of all time. Mm. And she's making a statement by putting it on an Irish uh, uh, traditional song. Do you know what I mean? She's saying, listen, I'm modernising this for a new generation of young people. And what a song it is, by the way, man, you know? And do you not love that bit? So it's like a six-minute song, but like it's like very sparse, post-punk, mm-hmm. hip-hop sampling, drums, mm. with the kind of distorted bass. And then... It brings this crazy snare drum in, and you're like, okay, now it's going in this direction. But then, Irish fiddle comes in. It's like fucking okay. river dance shit. That is, that moment, I was like, what? Pro- probably the best bit in the whole album, right? And let <laughs> me tell you something so. that happened. And let me let me tell you this, mm-hmm. right? I was listening to this the other day. Lauren was out walking the dog. It was just me in the house. And I'm listening to it loud, and that fiddle comes on. Mm-hmm. And as the fiddle starts, in the room next to me, I hear this noise. Mm-hmm. So I go into the next room to investigate, and there's like a drawer, and it's where we keep like important stuff, mm-hmm. and it's like shaking. And what the fuck is this? And so the music's still playing in the next room, loud Irish fiddle, and I open the drawer, and it was my Irish passport doing a jig. Dancing in the drawer. It'd been brought to life by the. It was brought brought to life by the power of this Celtic music. I thought your dad was born in you or something. It awakened my Irish ancestry in such a way that I can't explain to you. Obviously, who's unimpressed by this story of Irish magic? It's about magic realism for me. Great song, (laughs) though, isn't it? (laughs) Did you did you genuinely like the fiddle bit as an Irish person? Yeah, I loved it. But you think the drums are too loud to hear? I just think that the drums should be. I just think. I am stretched at your grave, and I thought. See, I didn't know it was an old traditional song. I thought it was like her talking about fucking a man's dead and she's banging the dirt or something. I was like, whoa! I think that's what it's it is about. It's from a poem, literally from the 1600s or something. People been have been dancing. shagging dirt for a long time. It's not a new thing. Yeah, um, but I tell you where, where there was a moment for me, mm-hmm. and that is the song. There's a song called Black Boys on Mopeds. Oh. And as soon as it starts, listen, if you're a regular to this podcast, you'll know politically where we lay, okay? You know where there's, Liam lays. There's no, I play the field. There is no surprise anywhere that, that I enjoyed this. But we're going to read you some of the lyrics to this song. Mm-hmm. And just imagine me walking on the way to my gig on a Thursday. And this starts playing in my ears. It's Sinead O'Connor singing... Margaret Thatcher on TV, shocked by the deaths that took place in Beijing, it seems strange that she should be offended. The same orders are given by her. 
England's not the mythical land of Madame George and Roses. It's the home of the police who kill black boys on mopeds. Thing is, she doesn't like, sing it like a wank, but you know, you're saying that like an asshole. She says it like a cool person. I said, oh, look, I, I, I did a powerful. I didn't. I sorry, I've not studied the bel canto fucking <laughs> singing technique. That was a cold reading. This is why people don't do Brechtian songs, man. This is fucking. Anyway, uh, yeah, anyway, but it's great that bit. I mean, you like a... you were reading that the way I would read like a Henry Rollins spoken word piece, making fun of it. It's great lyrics. Totally. Well, it reminds me of like a it's like a, a Billy Bragg song or something. It reminds me of um, you know, there's a what's it? Another England by by Billy Bragg. They're both kind of critiques of of England. Mm-hmm. Um, one from an Irish perspective, one from Billy Bragg, an English slash Irish perspective. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's um, it's great. Really powerful. Good political songwriting. My Absolutely note for it. it was just fuck Thatcher. Yeah, really powerful songwriting. Mm-hmm. Uh, re- really great. Um, you've also got there's some stuff that kind of veers a bit more into like almost it sounds a bit dated like nineties rock. Um, j- jump jump the river. river sounds dated. Mm. Well, it, it, I know I like it, but it you know it, it just has a couple f- sort of nineties flares to it. You know what I mean? Although, I love the way it starts with a gunshot. The thing I like about this album is that all the songs are different, but it doesn't sound Mr. Benny. It's like everything sounds like authentic and true to mm. her. She never sounds like she's putting anything on. But the way like the first track is like strings, and then the second track the way the drums almost come for like a different world than the strings do and then Three Babies is like acoustic after that and then uh, all this stuff like Jump in the Fire uh, Jump in the River sorry Jump in the Fire is a Metallica song Jump in the River uh, the way it starts off with that sound right after the song that came before it it's like every time a song starts it's like you're just getting like well, thrown it comes in off another and room in a house it comes after nothing compares to you. Mm-hmm. So it's this really powerful, you know, a song about like loving and loss. And then it, the next song is pew. I think Jump the River is really good. I don't think it's dated at all. And if it is dated, you know, it came out in 1990. It's a little bit dated. Um, well, that, well, that's what I mean. Like it wasn't a, 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 cri- a criticism as such. I'm just saying you can tell it's, you can tell it's from the early nineties. It's just got a couple of like nineties, not, not cliche. It's just tropes. We've got a couple of nineties, nineties tropes in the production is all. There's another um, sort of love love song about a breakup here as well called "Last Day of Our Acquaintance," mm-hmm. um, which is like almost a little. It's a bit more specific than than nothing compares to you. Um, and again, I think it's like lyrically really beautiful, and it like uh, it slaps near the end. It starts off quite slow, and then it really builds up. Um, and both those songs um, made me think of a song I watched this a film I watched this week which we were speaking about yesterday called Chunkin Express by Wong Kar Wai um, and the whole film is about how fucking weird you are when you've had your heart broken mm-hmm. and last day of our acquaintance and nothing compares to you like literally counting the minutes and the days kind of it all, seemed, it all just felt very appropriate and I'm like wow I'm glad I'm not heartbroken because it sucks yeah the last track, mm. a cappella monologue. Yeah. This genuinely made me look back at me having that conversation with that girl when I was 18 and go, God, that was such a wee wank. I struggled with the last track. I thought it was amazing. She just I listened speaks. to it, I would say, all the way through once. And after that, I kind of was like, okay, this is the end of the album now. I'm going to go back to the beginning. Okay, I understand. 
I thought it was wonderful. She just sings that bel canto style with just like one word after the other, feeling every step of the way. And it really sums up the point of this record. I read a kind of overlook of her career and it was talking about how her first record, the line in the Cobra, is very political, very fiery. This one is fiery and political, but the way it's bookended by her speaking without music at the end and going, I do not want what I haven't got, and starts off with a serenity prayer. It's like, the message is, God, life is fucking dreadful. Do you know that TikTok of the guys doing a TikTok in a Northern Ireland? And a guy, he goes, oh, look at this guy on the street. And the guy isn't prepared to be in a TikTok, but he just looks at the camera and goes, being alive is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> this record acknowledges that being alive is a fucking nightmare. But what it then says is, here is how to get through it. You have to accept the things you can't change and you have to be comfortable with the fact that you can't have the things that you haven't got. Don't want them. It's about that attempt at inner peace and the fact that she recorded it and then her life got flipped upside down. Prince of Bel-Air style. Uh, arguably Prince worse of... than what Will Smith went through in that program. Prince, Prince of Belcanto. Prince of Belcanto. <laughs> Do you know, I think it's a, a, I was, I was, the first couple of times I listened to it, I was like, God, I don't know if I'm enjoying this. I don't know if it's an album to be enjoyed. I think it's a real, more, like, would you go to, like, a temple in uh, the Hokkaido region of Japan in the mountains? Would you go to a Shinto Buddhist temple and then go, oh, I really enjoyed that? No, you would have an experience. I would say that's yeah, like, like a temple. Well, it's like an art house film or something where you, you watch it and it might not necessarily be, you know, uh, an easy to digest narrative story that you're used to seeing at the cinema but the idea of the 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 idea of it is to to be engaged with and to think about more than just like you know have have spoon fed to i don't really like the term art house as a genre i feel like all films are art shut the fuck (laughs) up (laughs) do you know what i mean though it is it's not like oh i really enjoyed that it's like Mm -hmm. god it really made me think about a lot of stuff and it made me look back on my life and think about what i could have done better in conversations so for that reason, it's, I mean, I guess it is, and I, I, this isn't really really the best word, but it is quite a, a challenging listen. Not in that it is difficult to, um, it, you know, appreciate, but more that it does literally, you know, challenge your, your ideas of, 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 of music and, and, and art. Yeah. So it's an incredibly powerful album, mm-hmm. but not one that you're immediately like, can't wait to get this on. You know what I mean? It's not something to put in the background when you're chilling with your bros, sinking a couple of brewskis and playing Halo Infinite. All yeah, right. I'm, uh, <laughs> my, my next dinner party, I'm not uh, I'm not whacking this on. If you, you know, were having kind of dinner with like an ashamed priest and you wanted to make him feel guilty about his crimes and transgressions, <laughs> then yeah, stick it on. Father, father, come here. But Give if somebody picture. said to you, God, I'm fucking struggling, I would say, I don't know if I would say stick this on. But I would say, if you found this, if you found this, and you weren't having a good time being alive, I think it could help. Yeah, um, I don't know if I'd just prescribe it as therapy. It's literally part of the program you use to get over your fucking drug addiction. Well, no, this album is not literally part of that. (laughs) Is that not the sixth step? 
listen to I don't not want to, I haven't got my shit <laughs> Sorry. I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm on step five, which is uh, listen to Meteora by Linkin Park. <laughs> I tried so hard to give up booze, <laughs> but in the end, Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's uh, yeah. I I definitely recommend listening to it. I, I, I we've mentioned a couple. I've mentioned a couple things that I recommend seeking out, specifically Sinead O'Connor's uh, SNL performance. And the live version on YouTube of Nothing Compares to You, um, you'll know which one because it's got something like 70 million views, mm-hmm. both of which are, are just really amazing, just really amazing live performances to, to see It made watch. me look forward to the Bob Marley episode when we get to that in like a year. Yeah. No, and the lyrics to War are really amazing. And, and that Belcanto uh, style, you can, it's a, it's a, uh, both of those videos are really good examples of, of, of what we're talking about with a Belcanto. Yeah. Um, Incredible so, I mean, so, um, did you enjoy an album? Like I said, you don't enjoy a Buddhist Shinto temple in the mountains of Hokkaido. But yeah, I did enjoy it, actually. It's not, not only is it like, uh, it is like an amazing piece of art, but there also is, you know, I mean, nothing compares to you is an amazing bit. And like Three Babies is really beautiful. It's not enjoyable. It's like good. It's amazing. It's like one of the... I mean, it's one of the most complete, perfect statements of we've listened to as part of this for sure, and uh, uh, you know, it's an incredible life story, and um, I hope she's. It's, that's that's the tragedy is that right now she's not in a great place. Yeah, yeah. Her whole um, life's been fucking one tragedy after the other. Yeah, I said this in the intro that you know her whole life is tinged with sadness, and I think what a triumph um, that you can um, come through some of the things she's come through and, and still create like really incredible art. Um, you haven't asked, asked me the question, but I'm going to answer it anyway. Liam, before you ask yourself a question, I would like to ask you a question. Did you enjoy an album? Yeah, I did. I, I feel like every decision made is so pure with intention that, um, and it's, it's kind of, as you were saying, like it, the most... Um, consistently honest kind of album we've listened to so far I I think now are all those decisions you know enjoyable uh, uh, enjoyable (laughs) um, or or, all right all the way through not necessarily you know you you wouldn't call it a perfect album or 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 whatever but but it's in terms of it being a a statement true to the artist's intentions it's it's really uh, it is amazing could you Um, call it a flawed masterpiece uh maybe there's one thing i want to say which is uh you know i read a a review that 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 spoke about one thing the thing is nothing compares to you is is a real masterpiece song and there aren't any other masterpiece songs on the album i would say not to that level and and this review said uh, you know could you say that nothing on the album lives up to um nothing compares to you yes but not much songs on any albums mm-hmm. live up to the masterpiece of nothing compares to you so it it, it can feel a bit like it's sort of you know that that song is towering above the whole album in um, terms of but- pop songs yeah but in terms of music i think you know sometimes you'll get an album i can tr- struggle to think an example but sometimes you get an album because you hear one song and then the rest of the album has nothing. You know, this has yeah, other yeah. stuff going on. It's just not the same thing. That yeah, you, yeah. You no, 
uh, no, I agree. I, I mean, as I say, it's it's um, there's interesting stuff all the way through, um, and and yeah, I, I enjoyed listening to it. And I really enjoyed getting to Shadow Khan's life, and I really wish wish her and her family uh, the, the best um, uh, if, with everything that, that she's dealing with right now. What's your playlist pick? I'm gonna put on Black Boys on mopeds. Cool. Yeah. Um, Great choice. Simple, simple as. And you? I'm gonna go for I am stretched on your grave. Yeah, with that fiddle. And can we I just both put on nothing compares to you? Like, can uh, we just agree that should go on? Do you know what? I'll pick nothing yes. compared. No, pick... no, 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 no. I was about to say yes. I know, but these three Sinead O'Connor songs in a row. You know, it is amazing, but I don't want to disrupt the playlist too much. How about I just go for nothing compares to you and you stick on Black Boys on Mopeds? Um, okay, but I've already added all three, okay. so that's that's that done. Um, what's your other choice? Well, I am stretched on your grave. The reason I wanted to stick that on, love that sample, that funky drama sample, and it is one of the most sampled beats of all time. Remember the first time I heard it and noticed it? It was on a collaboration between the thrash metal band Anthrax and Public Enemy called Bring the Noise on WWE Smackdown vs Raw 2006 soundtrack. So I'm going to stick on Bring the Noise by Anthrax and Public Enemy. Okay, what's your what's your playlist choice? What inspired you this week? Um, there is a live version of War by Bob Marley and the Wailers. Mm. Um, that's definitely not on an album that's on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's seven minutes long and it's fucking amazing. Can't wait to hear it. Hey, who is next week's album by? Next week is by a singer called... Alan Green, with his, that's kind of Al Green, a uh, little joke I made there, Al Green's greatest hits. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, I've, I, I've really enjoyed this week's uh, episode and the deep dive on Sinead O'Connor. Um, I've loved your spicy takes. I think it's been a really good fun episode. Um, I hope you, the listener, have enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed taking part in it. Wow, you're very earnest. I'm an earnest guy. He had a coffee and now he's in a fucking... He had a really spicy coffee to start and now he's in a calm down and he's getting emotional. Listen, I will stretch myself on your grave <coughs> if you continue this nonsense of trying to wrap up an already long episode. Alright, I'm stretched on this podcast grave because it's over. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.